Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center. Random Lake, Wisconsin, good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer around God's Word. It's September 29th, Wednesday, also the feast day of St. Michael and all angels, which we'll celebrate actually this evening at our Wednesday evening service. So I encourage you to join us uh, for that. As well, uh, tomorrow then will be the funeral service for Kay Winter that will be at Sushan Funeral Home in um, Plymouth. So join us there. Uh, visitation from 1 till 3, and then the funeral service at 3 p.m. All right. Our catechesis today will continue in 2 Samuel. We're going to skip a couple chapters. We'll summarize them a little bit for you. Um, we're going to go to chapter 15 after David's repentance in chapter 12. So. There we go. And the birth of Solomon, of course, which we studied yesterday. We begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse together. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Matthew 6, verse 25. Our psalm is Psalm 126. We say it together. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negeb. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading is a continuation, according, well, of James, his epi- the epistle, of James chapter 1, now verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, which comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, 
for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. And for when he observes himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. All right. That's really a dense epistle. There's so much that we could discuss there. Um, I think this picture of sin uh, in verse uh, 14 and 15 is, is really evocative, is it not? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a demon child, if you like, that is conceived by de- the desire of our hearts, gives birth to sin, that's action, thought, word, and deed, and then brings, later grows into full-born death. All right. Our reading for catechesis today is from 2 Samuel 15. After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me. Then I would give him justice. And so it was. Whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now it came to pass after forty or four years, it's actually four years, typo here in the New King James, that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go to Hebron and pay a vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while I dwelt in Geshur of, in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And when Absalom, with Absalom, went two hundred men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew strong, for the people of Absalom continually increased in number. Now a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with him in Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, 
or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord commands. All right. So, uh, let anyone who says the Bible doesn't have uh, something to say about politics, they are not, they haven't actually read the Bible. Because <laughs> this is about as political as it gets. Uh, and it's family dynamics too, I suppose. All right. So, because who is Absalom? Absalom is the third son of David. All right. And uh, we, if you remember, the sons of David were uh, described for us, outlined for us, back in 2 Samuel 3, I believe it was. Yeah, the sons were born to David in Hebron. The firstborn was Amon by Gehinoam, the Jezreelitess. The second was Chileab by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, the king, or the son of Maaka, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. The fourth, Adonijah. The fifth, Shepheth, Shephatiah the son of Abital, and the sixth, Ithriam. These were born to David. And Get- so he has six sons um, before we even meet Solomon, the seventh son. All right, and uh, what, had, uh, what had Absalom done? I didn't read this with the children. I d- described it in the most general sense. All right, so Absalom is the third. Amon is the firstborn. Uh, in 2 Samuel 13, which we didn't read, Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now, when Amon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amon, then kill him. Do not be afraid, for have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and each one got on his mule and fled. And it came to pass while they were on the way that news came to David, saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. So the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. All right, so David's seen great tragedy in his life. Um, Later on, then Absalom fled, and the young man who was keeping watch lifted his eyes and looked, and there many people were coming from the road on the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons are coming, as your servant said, so it is. So it was, as soon as he had finished speaking, that the king's sons indeed came, and they lifted up their voice and wept. Also the king and all his servants wept bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of uh, Minahud, king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur, and was there three years. And King David longed to go to Absalom, for he had been comforted concerning Amon uh, because he was dead. All right. So we have Absalom killing Amon, of course, which grieves uh, David. But earlier in the chapter, chapter 13, we really have this terrible story um, about how Amon, the firstborn, had raped Tamar, who was Absalom's sister, uh, lovely sister. So that would be Amon's half-sister, right? Um, a really terrible sister. And so that, that's the reason why Absalom is so murderous towards his brother Amon. And uh, yeah, and of course, this gets David's anger up too because he ends up finding out as well. All right, so we have him spending three years in Geshur, which is, again, 
I think pretty essential for the backstory here. And um, then we also have Absalom coming back to Jerusalem in chapter 14, right? And he uses uh, this woman of Tekoa to convince David to bring Absalom back, right? Absalom was still not permitted to see the king's face, although the king, um, David, does forgive him, all right? The king blessed Absalom as he was face down to the ground because he could not have his face uh, before David. So that's all leading up to this story. All right. Um, we also, in chapter 14, see, and it's not described, again, we didn't read chapter 13 and 14, but uh, we find out about Absalom's weakness, which will come to bear tomorrow. Uh, chapter 14, verse 25. Now, in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. <laughs> From the sole of his foot, of the foot of, to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair on his, at, of his head at the end of every year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. When he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels, according to the king's standard. All right. So he was quite vain in his appearance. <laughs> all right. So there's all your backstory on Absalom. Hopefully that helps understand today. Of course, there's another thinking, there's another story. Um, about uh, a flawed man with long hair who did not cut it. Yeah, that was Samson. Oh, one more part of the story that we should probably cover um, is how Absalom makes um, had had conspired with some of David's uh, men, um, Joab in particular. But um, Joab is made out to be his enemy, right? Uh, Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but he did not see the king's face. Therefore, Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. So he said to the servant, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set it on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Job, Look, I sent to you, saying, Come here, so that I may send you to the king to say, Why have you come to Geshur? Or why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now therefore, let me see the king's face. But if there is iniquity in, in me, let me let him execute me. So Joab sent to the king and told him. Right? So he, uh, he's just, he's definitely a mixed bag here or, uh, as a character. All right. Uh, what's the significance of what's happening here in verse 1? Get to our text. He's got chariots and horses and 50 men. Yeah, he's already here uh, providing for himself the outward marks of a king or a ruler, right? Which is really what's happening in our story. And uh, what was Absalom then doing in verses 2 through 6, right? This whole account of him standing before the gate, right? He's uh, undermining his father's authority. He's waging a political campaign here to steal away the loyalty of the men of Israel uh, from his father, all right? Uh, by casting aspersion on uh, his father's judgments and by rendering more favorable judgments to these men uh, fraudulently, but it doesn't matter, right? So it's just politics, <laughs> as they say. This went on for four more years. So now a total of it, what is it, six years? No, seven years. Um, that he's going to be in Jerusalem. What was the importance um, of Hebron, right? So Absalom asked the king to go to Hebron. 
What was the importance of Hebron in David's life? All right, that was back in 2 Samuel 2 and 2 Samuel 5. We find out, remember, that David reigned for 40 years, but the first seven years and six months of that um, were just over Judah, and he did that from Hebron, right? So Hebron is, um, was formerly the city of the king of Judah, right, until Jerusalem becomes the city for both kingdoms as a unified kingdom. All right. Um, why was Absalom then going to Hebron? Right? He's got the chariots and horses and 50 men, and now he's going to Hebron. It's pretty transparent, I think. He's going to make himself king. That's what he's going to work out here. Of course, he secretly arranged what? Right here in 10, um, he arranged for spies to go throughout all Israel, right? Um, to proclaim when the trumpet sounds, Absalom reigns in Hebron, right? So when the trumpets blow, to proclaim a false king, right, his kingship. Note uh, something interesting here. He does compel 200 men to come along with him, more men, but note about the, the note here. I should say, note the note, ah, whatever. Uh, they went along innocently and did not know anything, right? So he's conspiring, right? Um, these are what we today would call useful idiots, useful idiots. They're not questioning Absalom and what he's about. Um, also. Absalom engages Ahithophel, David's counselor, right? And then uh, later on in the chapter, uh, which we will read tomorrow, we'll hear about Ahithophel. That would be, um, David will pray. Oh, here's what David will say. Um, someone told David saying, Ahithophel is among the cons conspirator conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel to foolishness, into foolishness. All right. So that will, that will come tomorrow. Of course, what truth now does David recognize about his son? Yep, there's a conspiracy um, and that Absalom is now going to seek his life, which is the only way that Absalom then can usurp him and become king. Um, we're going to hear a little bit of this tomorrow, but it's probably worth introducing yet today. Later on in the chapter, we're going to hear about uh, David's departure from Jerusalem. And I think um, you're going to catch some interesting notes here. It says, and all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron. Hmm, the brook Kidron, that sounds familiar. And all the people crossed over towards the way of the wilderness. There was Zadok also, and all the Levites with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, or the Covenant of God. And they set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do to me as seems good to him. All right, that sounds curious. And then listen to this, just a few more verses later. David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. The Mount of Olives. Hmm. And someone told David, saying, Ahithophel uh, is among the conspirators of Absalom. We heard that. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. 
And now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshipped God, there was Hushai the archite coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. All right, so we have the book Kidron crossing over, and we have David going on to the Mount of Olives and weeping. Yeah, uh, this reminds us of, well, we could use John, but let's use Luke. Luke 23, listen to this. Now they led him away. As they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of people followed him, and women also who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore, and breasts that ne- which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? And now there were two others, criminals, led him away to, uh, to, put, to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. All right, and so you've heard all of this. How about also, well, let's look at John, just briefly, John 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples again over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. All right, and of course, you know, he prays on the Mount of Olives. So Jesus, after crossing the book of Kidron, Jesus would go out to pray and be arrested, much like David. Another similarity is that he would be led out to be crucified while the women were crying along the roadside, just as we see um, there in chapter in this chapter later on in chapter or verses uh, twenty three to twenty six. So Jesus is the true son of David. All right. Here's a clear example of the sins of the fathers being visited upon the children. The household of David was a mess. Absalom's sister had been raped, and he avenged his sister's dishonor. Yet David's love for his son brought him back from exile, much as Christ, the son of David, seeks to bring us back to the new Jerusalem, that is, the church. Absalom's vanity was the cause of his longing to overthrow his father. Unlike the future son of David, who constantly uh, spoke of doing the will of the father, Absalom wanted to take the kingdom forcefully, much as the Pharisees of Jesus' day. And David sent Absalom out in peace, much as the father sent the prodigal son away from his home, only to see the son waste his inheritance. David's rejection by his own family foreshadows Jesus being rejected by his own people. All right. We confess today the ninth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. What is the 10th commandment? You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not entice or force away our neighbor's wife, workers, or animals, or turn them against him, but urge them to stay and do their duty. We pray. 
Most merciful God and Father, in the Tenth Commandment, you teach us that our God-given relationships with others are sacred and that they are to be honored and protected. For Jesus' sake, forgive us for coveting relationships with others that you have not given us, for every form of lust and self-centered desire, for wanting another person's spouse, for making a God out of people, for loving others more than we love you, and for trying to obtain the loyalty and affection of others that rightly belongs to our neighbor. Help us to be content with the relationships that you have given us. Grant us the gift of your grace and mercy in Jesus, so that in every way we encourage, support, and help our neighbors to maintain their God-given relationships in marriage, family, and the workplace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, we implore you, grant your people grace to withstand the temptations of the devil, and with pure hearts and minds to follow you, the only God. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the word of God, for parents who must rear their children alone, for our communities and neighborhoods. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray today in Thanksgiving with Milda, who celebrates her birthday, with Neil and Tyler, who as well celebrate their birthday. We pray for the households of our church, especially Kara, Ron and Nancy, Doug, Norm and Sandy, Marlene and Dan. Pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Kelsey, Ron, Amanda, Dan, and John, uh, who's now on hospice. Also Timothy, Janice, Sandy, Ken, Kathy, and Mike. Our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis, and Mickey. The missions and mercy work of our church, especially LCMS World Relief and Human Care. We intercede for the gift and increase of chastity among us. And we pray for those grieving, especially the family and friends of Kay Winter. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Again, today is the feast day of St. Michael and all angels. It's fitting uh, for us to have just a brief devotion on that now. And then this evening, of course, we'll have a full divine service on Michael and the angels. The name of the archangel St. Michael means who is like God. Michael is mentioned in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 1, as well as Jude, verse 9, and Revelation 12, verse 7. Daniel portrays Michael as the angelic helper of Israel who leads the battle against the forces of evil. In Revelation, Michael and his angels fight against and defeat Satan and the evil angels, driving them from heaven. Excuse me. There we go. Their victory is made possible by Christ's own victory over Satan in his death and resurrection, a victory announced by the voice in heaven. Now salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Revelation 12, verse 10. Michael is often associated with Gabriel and Raphael, the other chief angels or archangels who surround the throne of God. Tradition names Michael as the patron and protector of the church, especially as the protector of Christians at the hour of death. We pray. Everlasting God, you have ordained and constituted the service of angels and men in a wonderful order. Mercifully grant that as your holy angels always serve and worship you in heaven, so by your appointment they may also help and defend us here on earth. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week. Sing praise to God, the highest good. Uh, Let's do stanzas one through three. Excellent. So that concludes our congregation of prayer for today, Wednesday, September 29th, 2021. It's good to have you with us here. Uh, Whether you watched live or you uh, listened later on in the podcast or you uh, called in, by the way, uh, I mentioned it yesterday, 
Uh, it's worth conveying to anyone you know might benefit from this. Um, the now the call-in number, you don't have to put in a code. You just call the number and it just starts playing, right? So all you need to do is put that phone number in your, uh, in your phone. And if you're out traveling or um, if you're out of town or you don't have your phone with you or, well, that wouldn't work. Um, if you're not in front of a computer, um, you need to watch later in the day or listen later in the day when you're going about your work, you can just call in. It's not quite as high fidelity as using the podcast version, um, but if you're not into listening to podcasts, then that doesn't, uh, maybe it's more beneficial to you, uh, especially for um, any that you know that, um, what, um, are homebound, um, who are elderly, don't have phones, etc. cetera. Um, if this is a benefit to you, you can share that number with them and let it be a benefit to them as well. All right. Uh, again, tonight is the Feast of St. Michael and All Angels. We'll gather at 7 p.m. for divine service. Um, so we'll get to hear about the work of the angels on our behalf as the Lord has appointed them, as you heard in the colic. Um, and then also tomorrow at 1 p.m. is the visitation for Kay at uh, Sushan in, in um, Plymouth, but also then the funeral, uh, if at all possible, 3 p.m. Uh, gather with all the saints there and bring comfort to the family with your voices and with your, especially with your singing. All right. Um, I think that's it. So Lord be with you all. Keep you safe and bless you this day. We'll see you tomorrow.